0: Hey, uh good evening. Good evening to you. Um okay. Do you want me to uh to start with my um my little books that I I found
1: on my shelf? Yes, I'm I'm very curious. Yeah, I'd lo- I'd love to hear what you what you've got. Now is this This can't be your whole collection.
0: No, you no. Got I, I just there. found three. I'm sure I could find more if I go through, you know, my my boxes. But I just I just grabbed three real quick. And in fact, <laughs> one of them I'm not even sure. I don't even have a memory of buying from the store. But the price, you know, is penciled in there on top of page five. So I must have got. I have no memory of 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 buying this book. Um,
1: yeah, give me, give me a taste. <laughs> yeah. So
0: yeah, this one that I don't remember buying, but I must have bought it from the store. Even the handwriting. Is is similar. It's called simply ICE Exclamation Point. Yes, exclamation point is embedded in the title. It's one of these old Bantam paperbacks. A chilling, terrifying novel of ultimate disaster by Arnold Fetterbush. In one hour, the fate of the entire world will be sealed in ICE. Exclamation. <laughs> point. So I never I've never actually read this, so but I can only imagine, you know. Um, uh, you know, it's got it's got <laughs> We I come. love it. Um, I have one here. I think there was, this one is probably considerably considerably better. It's called The Auctioneer. Now, this came out in like the mid 70s, I think. A woman named Joan Sampson. And I think it got some good, very good reviews when it came out. And I read this um many years ago. This is an Avon little mass market paperback. It's about this uh kind of creepy auctioneer who arrives at a small town. And he encourages everyone to keep donating items for auction from their household to you know to to boost the town's finances and it just never stops um until everyone is left with nothing um remember being being creepy and interesting Um, sadly she this is her only only novel she died after right after it was published and then finally i have um you know i could never resist a, a a a cheesy novelization. This is the novelization to the movie The Brood, the David Cronenberg movie. Um, it's got a little banner on the front. Now a major film starring Oliver Reed and Samantha Egger. I've, I've never actually read it, but I've seen the movie many times. But um, yeah, just a nice, good old. Uh, let's see who published this one. This was, um, oh, it's almost falling apart here. Oh, Yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't even <laughs> publish that, but good, good novelization. So this is the thing that I have on hand. What what about you?
1: Oh my goodness. Those are that's, that's a good that's a good representation. Ice. Um, let's see. I have got um I found and you know, I've kept this one around. It's it's quite worn. It's um called the Book of Imaginary Beings by Borges. And it's just kind of a little encyclopedia of imaginary beings. Um some I've heard of many I have not I mean I, I just think they're they're kind of um you know from <laughs> from from uh, throughout the globe uh imaginary creatures like let's see I'm looking at the the, the brownies the the centaur you know it's all alphabetical the minotaur the monkey of the ink pots <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rainbird. You know, it's just really, it's really terrific. And, you know, they're so uh, kind of beautifully written up. Some of them quite short and some of them are a few pages of lore and description. So yeah, I have I have that. And also <laughs> I picked this up because I, rem- I I I found it and I remembered reading it as a kid it's called the ghost next door and you know I, I think it's the same cover that I had I mean I, I probably just I think I got it from like my school library or something you know from the spinner rack where you know we had the um like the mass markets and stuff and I just re- I remember I mean there's still some things that that's come up just very <laughs> regularly just images from this uh, book I just rem- I remember things like uh, you know it's 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 about this this uh, this girl who goes to live with her aunt you know it seemed like in these books um you know people were were always going to stay with their aunts you know <laughs> I don't know and you know and and so they they uh you know they always had these kind of mysterious dwellings and so she um she uh there was was it her cousin um, who like drowned in a pond nearby, and her name was Miranda. And so she, you know, she hears all about Miranda all the time. And there was a very creepy part where she she uh, kind of uh, encounters the the she doesn't see her, but um, uh, just kind of senses she's there. She she encounters the ghost of Miranda underneath the, the willow tree. I think it's a willow tree anyway. This is what I remember. I remember that Miranda had made some kind of a little, a little thing like a cement owl is what it was, and that's around and that's creepy. Anyway, uh, I just I was I was just I remember being quite under the spell of this book when I was a kid, so I just wanted to have a copy of it.
0: Was is it uh, was it illustrated? Always. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep, illustrated. I remember the illustrations in the books I had as a kid. So spooky ones. Oh boy.
1: Well, And so, you know, when you got into that, uh, when you started to read, read the longer books, the chapter books, you know, I, I like how there were still illustrations, but they were just kind of parsed out. You know, they were kind of precious because they were only like so many pages, like often they they wouldn't necessarily be in like the first, you know, maybe there'd be a little image that would begin a chapter, but they were kind of randomly peppered throughout Um and they really, really, uh, yeah, they were. I don't know. They just seemed so magical.
0: Yeah, well, I'm definitely gonna gonna actively hunt for all the other books I may
1: have bought from the store. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should, we should talk about yeah. we should talk about some more.
0: Um, you know, in your email, yeah, what was that idea that you had um, about the, the the phone books?
1: Um, yes you know remember the phone books I mean we did we, we are talking about phone book days I guess it would be difficult if we don't even quite recall the exact area but um, would it be worth looking in some kind of I don't know if there's an archive of phone books um I don't know I I've never really tried to research something that way but there must there must be something like that yeah,
0: I have thought about that like the the actual physical phone books because that would be the probably the only way the only only record because i'm sure they don't keep past phone book databases online but the physical that might be worth a shot i you know what i'll let me make that my little project and maybe um i'll call around maybe the libraries in that area and and see if, if that's even a thing if or maybe even the phone company or <laughs> Um, to see if those physical ones are archived somewhere that that might be a that might be a way to find the place.
1: That's the <laughs> it would it's worth it's worth a it's worth a try. Do you remember anything about who worked there? Like any? Do you remember any staff?
0: Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I actually do. Um, but I just remember. I can only remember two people and like I know there was I what I remember vividly was the the man and the man who worked there. I remember this guy, oh you know, 45 50 years old, very severe looking, very angular face, um a little bit, almost looked like kind of a rough character. And I remember thinking he had a tattoo on each arm, but they weren't like uh, hipster tattoos they were kind of cryptic and strange I, I just remember thinking I saw this guy three or four times in there at, at, at the front I remember thinking that this guy is a sailor you know he had it just everything about him just exuded like the sea like like he had lived a life on the sea and now somehow he had wound up very quiet never said a word to me when I bought a book from him sitting behind you know, the front counter at this used bookstore. And I never, you know, I never even saw him like getting up and moving around or maybe reshelving or something. He was just planted there. Sometimes he'd be reading. Um, I remember him very vividly, just this this guy who seemed to have crawled out of the pages of like, you know, like a Joseph Conrad novel, very very brooding and silent and, and just, and just, Waiting for the chance to get back on a, on a great seafaring whaling voyage or something. And I remember woman. I remember this woman, but not not so much. Um, what do you do? You know this guy I'm talking about?
1: I don't know him, but i I do remember. I remember a woman, um, who I, I guess she's the only one I remember. Uh, she. she the first thing I remember about her was that she had this great um, kind of this long, wild black hair that was, that had a lot of silver in it. So it was like silver black hair. Let's see. I remember seeing her out front smoking once or twice. I remember that it seemed like she, like she was always doing something like sweeping or something kind of physical, like I think I saw her get like kind of moving boxes down from a high shelf like behind the counter once i I don't know like i just i feel like she she was kind of like wearing work boots and she was always she was always kind of um uh, she, she was she was she was always engaged in something but she had very piercing eyes i remember um she had a very intense very intense face. I know. I I remember talking with her a couple of times when I bought things, and I I, I also remember that once when I was trying to leave, I, she had been there as I was as I was in the store, and then I went to leave, and I it, it, like she wasn't. She seemed to have disappeared, or. Uh, I couldn't find her out front or you know, but I'm remembering that staff wasn't always there. Like sometimes they would go, they would not be there or they would duck out or um the, you know there was that <laughs> kind of do you remember there was a there was a sign
0: on the and the sign, yeah. And there was mm-hmm. a, and I think she must have, I mean just judging by the handwriting, that she must have made the sign and you know it's a very polite sign. I do. And, and you had to stuff your, I don't know they, they had kind of like fashioned this slot. Like, a, like <laughs> yeah. one of the, I don't know how to, it was like under like to, to the side of the counter, kind of almost <laughs> like when you, where you, uh, you, when you put a rent check into like a a little slot and it would just fall in. They, it was totally the honor system. And that just really freaked me out. I'm like, okay, where is the staff and they're gone for so long that they just they put up a sign on the counter saying just please leave your money in the slot. Like where did they go? <laughs> yes, yeah. this is this is. Yeah.
1: It was like she she would either have her hair like just loose and wild, or it would be in this very strange, severe. I think I remember seeing her once with a very you know when when people make uh, braids like two braids and then they loop them up so it's kind of like this strange sort of um noose kind of (laughs) kind of appearance Mm. and i i I just she, she she was a powerful presence i
0: yeah the first time i saw her and yeah i really didn't see her that much she was doing something to the window or she was inside the window rearranging books i I, you know, she just looked up at me and she yeah, she did have these eyes were uh, you know, and I'm, I'm like a like a 19-year-old kid and I see this woman who's like I couldn't really determine her age because of that hair. You know whether the hair was silver or gray. She she intimidated me in a way that the other guy didn't. The the other guy I was kind of just afraid of on a physical level. <laughs> she, you know, the couple of times I saw her, I just I felt like I, I cannot go up and, and speak to this person. She's like on a different plane somehow. This is, she's too exotic uh, for me to deal with. So I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I ever bought a book from her.
1: An intense presence and always engaged in some sort of movement. Like she was, you know, she was always moving. Uh. I never
0: asked either of them a single question. You know, I just, I would just kind of drift in and... Um, so how did you, how did you get there? Like when you went and did you, did you drive or, you know, I know, you know, the bus, but did you take the bus or did you?
1: The the first time I was there, no, I, um, I met someone who was kind of, um, who was living in town, not, not from there, um, <laughs> at a bar and, um, I don't know. You know, we all made such great wise decisions back in those days. I went to, I agreed to go to, to go uh, over and hang out at his place, and um, he drove there. And he act, he actually, again, I'm trying to put together the actual sort of town or you know um, street intersection because he was he was living in. Like a really strange, you would you wouldn't think it, it's an old, like an old apartment building. You, you go, he, it was like just in the middle of it was like on this mountain. There was like nothing else around. It was very, it was, it was in, you know, it was very quiet. Uh, nothing else going on in in kind of the middle of almost nowhere. Um, and you you opened the front door to this place, and I remember being shocked at just the oddness of this. It like had this red carpet weirdly antiquely opulent and it just seems so out of place um I'm it's it's hazy i think there were oh there were things being ingested i'm sure I'm, I'm sure <laughs> i'm not sure what things but you know yeah. probably a grab bag of things and so but it was kind of uh reaching sort of this wondrous kind of pitch and at one point he said i, I want to show you something and so we went outside we went onto a like a little trail down through the trees and it was really dark and um we were on that trail winding down for a couple of minutes and then we just emerged onto a street below and this that store the or at the you know when i first saw it it was the the building that contained that store i didn't know what it was, uh, was just revealed. It was just right there. And so it was just this feeling of like going in through the trees and emerging at this place. And I mean, I was very, I mean, disoriented, of course. And we, you know, we went in. I don't know how long we stayed in there, but yeah, it was like it seemed it was the middle of the night, and this place was just there, just the door was open, the lights were on. And um then We are in there for a little while. And then I remember him driving me back to, driving me back to town very early in the morning, like five or it was just starting to get light, but it was also just starting to snow. It just seemed very, uh, very strange and and wondrous. And I, I, yeah so that that was my first that was my first visit to to the bookstore
0: i mean i've never been back to the campus um i've have you ever gone back
1: uh no i i haven't oh i you know i i think about it a lot i i actually dream about it a lot um that area i haven't sworn to stay away or anything but I don't know what you do for a living, but I, you know, I'm right now, I mean, I'm just doing kind of odd jobs. I'm doing several, I'm juggling several uh, jobs and I don't know. I I just, I don't make a lot of money. And so just even doing kind of one trip a year or even, you know, two, I mean, I just haven't gotten in the habit of making travel a priority, I guess. Um, Yeah.
0: I mean, I I wasn't there very long. And for me, it's just money. You know, I'm, I'm living in this, um, I'm currently living in this town, uh, Shepherdstown, West Virginia. I just started a new new job. Um, I am inspecting meat. Um, It was just, you know, it was a thing that was they were hiring for and I was getting kind of desperate. So it just you know, it's just too far to travel. What? uh, I've forgotten where you are now physically. Um, I'm in New Mexico. You know, I, I don't want to Kind of artificially bring it back to the remember that the, the book we were talking about, the book yeah on the floor in the horror section um, yeah. I have mean, been having more and more kind of flash images of the stories and even you know the times I was reading it. I was hoping maybe you had. I don't know if you have any more thoughts. Is anything else occurred to you about that
1: ah, that that book? I do remember the first time I looked at it, I, I remember writing some, oh, this seems so big, <laughs> uh, kind of fun, but sort of precious. I, re- I remember I had a pen with me, but no paper. So I remember writing a couple of um, sentences on my hands because like, like on the back of my hand, because I just want, I just thought that they just really struck me. And I think that they were from one of the stories, like the ending. I remember it, it was kind of. I'm remembering that it was kind of an abrupt ending, but it was just so closed up yet opened up at the end with these with these two or three lines. I just was. I remember writing them on my hands, and then um, after I, when I was home later. <laughs> You know, I mean, I guess we're not talking completely sensibly here. But instead of just like write, you know, try, you know, while the ink is is there, like writing them on a paper or something. I remember I took a bath, and I didn't want to, I didn't want the ink to slip off quite, quite yet. So I remember putting like a, um, oh gosh, like a Ziploc over my hand. It was my left hand, and like rubber banding it to my wrist <laughs> so it would preserve. So it would preserve the, the lines a little longer on my, on my skin. I guess it was just, yeah, it wasn't only those lines. It was like that I had written them on myself. You know, it's like, I wanted to keep them on myself a little, a little longer. Oh, so many, um, again, lots of swirling images. Um, but it, the uh, place is, it's pretty deeply etched for me. I should really try to make it happen. Maybe I should, maybe I should go back. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's keeping me. Uh, but maybe I should also listen to the voice that's keeping me from doing it. I, I don't know. I get, I'm confused. <laughs> um, I just wish I, wish I had that book. The poet makes himself a seer by a long, gigantic and rational derangement of all the senses all forms of love, suffering, and madness. He searches himself. He exhausts all poisons in himself and keeps only their quintessences. He reaches for the unknown, and when, bewildered, he ends by losing the intelligence of his visions. He has seen them. Let him die as he leaps through unheard and unnameable things. Other horrible workers will come. They will begin from the horizons where the other one collapsed. Arthur Rimbaud.
0: Other horrible workers. We might start by acknowledging the debt of it all, or at least how it is that the subject of her contribution to modern letters is still not a common argument. It's difficult to separate ourselves from what we think we know, and to ask why our minds are such tiny, wet creatures, so porous, imprintable, so set, or perhaps not why they are like that, as how could they not be, but how are we to live with that reality? How can we not stand it, for it's also easy to stand, but how could we allow it? That sounds grand, I know, but I'm convinced, and have only become more so during the writing of this book, that we are only now beginning to admit the impact her work has had on our constant dreams, on our dreams of what words can do. Chapter One Her childhood home was in Helensboro, a shatterdown, a dirt road off a casually paved one through a line of trees on both sides, like a sincere but unhinged postcard of a stately English countryside. That was where her father unearthed remains of a foundation, and he built strangely off the side of it and around, with an impractical blindness of the innards of a home, or an inelegant failure to understand what a home for his family should entail and was seemingly content to dwell on the rocks and the stacked walls, on the shell of the barrier of it, on the declaration of it, wild and tan and pink in the firefly grass. This sounds joyful, and sometimes it was, but there was real danger in the key-peeled can and cracker evenings, in the scrape and inattention, in the tucking into coats, These days that very foundation is swallowed by vines and a furring moss, by a runner with a sharp green flower like stars. Goats, likely from neighbor farms, come to eat the sporeful pods and woody stems, and sticky pollen in the stubborn blooms, and wet green tears from the teeth of beasts. The house has a sweet rot that, draws a healthy pour of spiders and flies. It's mostly uninhabitable now. In any case, it would require a foolish and devoted hand to resurrect it. Chapter 2 Arla's parents were, by many diverse accounts, strange, quiet, but could erupt with warmth upon approach. Her father's family came from Redfield and were millers before the war, of her mother's side much less is known. This is an unfortunate commonality in families, especially during that time. When surnames go vapor, go swallowed, a lesser is made. Footnote, one of her rockiest works, which some see as a dividing line between her early, more mannered style and later techniques, seems to refer directly to this erasure. The poem describes a photograph, A family in front of a backdrop of shrub against some hedges. And the woman is disappearing back into them. And the suggestion is that she becomes a ghost. The sharp twigs and the flat, waxy leaves become her skin. And the pain was great, though you might not think, she wrote. But the curse was then the woman could not fully disappear could not really cross over, never to sink, to pass through the sand, because she was also expected to stay, to keep the fire tongues lit, and to nourish the bodies of the damned. Chapter 3 Her room for most of childhood and into adolescence faced a great tangle of trees. She drew the view from her window every Sunday for years. What's remarkable is not necessarily the dedication to this discipline, though there is that, but the way that the pictures themselves were wildly, shockingly different. Years later, many would compare her sea-florid, shifting landscapes to the increasingly vivid and vibratory cats of Louis Wayne, accepting the progression, perhaps, for hers was back and forth, without a timeline, and much less visually motivated, as her real strength, and obsession was words. Footnote. Later on under her window, some bones were discovered, and some old jars of paint, some rust-hewn nails. Chapter 4. The marriage wasn't really legal, but they decided to tell people that it was. Footnote. Well, He did, mostly. Maybe this was an extension of his slightly more buttoned up background. It came and went, but it was there, and sometimes it underlined things. Maybe it wasn't so much that they cared what people thought. They found companionable and empathetic spirits in the pubs at night. But those things build up, they chew. Chapter 5. They found an apartment off the curling main street of the town. It was small, so small she barely had a space to write. What she settled for was a kind of closet. She could just fit a stubby desk. It felt, she would often insert, like a grave. For his work, which at this time was taking shape as big, smeared, figurative expressions, he took a studio down the road. He sort of rented it by doing favors for the woman who ran the pottery shop. She, as a kind of artist herself, had a soft spot for the two of them. She invited them over and fed them and gave them some of her late husband's clothes. She sat them around her table, and they all drank and she played music, her favorite songs from when she was a girl. She told them stories about her husband how they promised one another the moon, and how it happened that they couldn't keep that promise. She didn't hold it against him, she said. She'd seen what came for him in the night. Chapter Six Arla confessed that one of the things that attracted her was the way he wore a watch, with the tongue sticking out the side, It was a kind of studied carelessness, she thought. A kind of genius. And also there was the fact of their shared knowing, since they were children, that something came for them, too, each night. And waited. Under the sky. In the gummy trees. Until it wouldn't anymore. Until it was time. footnote. It's difficult, or not even quite possible, to relate what happened upon release of her book, or rather, what didn't happen. The void. By then she had moved back onto her parents' property. They'd both passed, and Moss had moved in. And she wrote that it whispered things and cried. Snails come too, she said. They glisten in rain. When I first came back here, I was unsettled. But now the bones hurt heavy in my arms and chest. She experienced racing thoughts I don't know what to do. I don't know what I can do. I don't know the day or night. I don't know the sky. I'm dying. I have no heart. I have no heart. I have no meat. I have no head. She couldn't fathom the house somehow, so she went to the shed, the outbuildings. She went to the guest house. That way she could look out of the grass and watch, watch for lights, for flying cloth. Her husband had left to a neighboring town with some close-held idea of grace, of destiny which soon would make him the only one who would come and try to retrieve her. He knocked and scraped on the doors. He left little things for her, things he knew she liked, little strange, pretty objects, and she would have to decipher their meaning. But then she wouldn't because there was no meaning. There really wasn't, and couldn't be, ever, and she knew that. She threw rocks, at anything that approached, at him especially. She wrote on paper, she wrote on the walls, the floors, on everything. He went in after, and he was sick, and he cradled her head and pulled up her hands and examined her fingers. He understood both that his work there was done And also just getting started. Like Ginsburg, peeling sick puzzles from a Tangier's floor, piecing them together by a stove. This is what it took. But it was there. There could have been more, sure. He had to make some decisions. But when you have something that starts with The world is a face in the pale, dirty grass... And ends with, God has forgotten. You have to just begin. And this should free you. Or not concern you at all. Here. Drink. Breathe and watch the rings around the stinging sun. Breathe and choke on plume. The tiny, elegant feet of angels are shaking in a blister parade. Anyhow, you know. You know what has to be done.